Welcome to Candela. I'm Christopher Hooton. In this episode, my co-host Alan Schaller and I chat to Tyler Shields. Probably our most frequently requested guest, Tyler grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, a former pro skater who participated in the X Games and toured with Tony Hawk. He now lives in Los Angeles and works as a photographer and director, best known for his conceptual images that often involve controversial visuals or themes. Let's jump right in. Today we have Tyler Shields with us. Tyler, how are you doing? Very good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Very well, ma'am. So we're, we're recording this. It's uh, coming up to 11 a.m. in the UK and just coming up to 3 a.m., I believe, in L.A. So uh, yep. why, are you, why are you keeping such strange hours at the moment? So I generally only sleep like two or three hours a day. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, so right now, normally between around 2 a.m. to around 7 a.m., I do all my work in Europe. So I have a gallery in Norway, and then I have a thing with Sotheby's coming up. So I just I was just on the phone with Sotheby's earlier, and then I've got another thing with the gallery in Norway after this. So I'll, I'll be up till about 7 a.m. <laughs> so what are your sleeping hours then? Is it 7, what, 7 till 10? <laughs> yeah, and then I'll sleep until about 10 a.m., uh, and, and then I go back to work on American time. That's what it takes, folks. That's what it takes. <laughs> That's right. He knows. This man knows. <laughs> yeah, you've got to just sacrifice lots of things, including your sleep yep. and possibly happiness and time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, I'm like I'm known in my neighborhood because I generally will do like I'll do a walk around like noon and then I'll do a walk around like 1 a.m. And so all the neighbors are like, oh, he's out walking again. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I try and try and get a little bit of exercise as much as possible. But um it's so funny because sometimes I'll be barbecuing at like five in the morning and I can see my neighbors like waking up. I've been awake all night. <laughs> you were talking to the right man. Alan just bloody loves a walk. Like if he can't can't get out of the house and have a walk, he's very... Oh, walking is key. It is. And to be honest, I, I, it's like part, I do street photography. So it's, it's, if you're not walking around on the streets, you're, you're, you're pretty screwed. Right. <laughs> if you want to yeah. do that. So the the more I walk around, the better it is. So 5 a.m. barbecues. Yeah, you must be popular. Yes, definitely. Um, it's, it's very strange because like I have like a whole other life that I live. Like my girlfriend is asleep. Uh, so she she goes to sleep around like one. And then she sleeps obviously like a normal person. And so I live like a whole other day while she's asleep. It's quite nice though, isn't it? There's those, you get those like contemplative hours where everyone sure. else in the world is like not on your back and you can actually like focus. It's quite nice. Um, for me, that's like early morning rather than super late night. But yeah, it's, it's important those, those hours if you can get them in. So Tyler, I guess when, when people talk about you, the word they often use probably like ad nauseum for you is provocateur. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the the term of choice i wonder how you how you feel about that whether you respond to it or whether you're sort of <laughs> sick of it at this point no no i mean it to me it's it's just it's amusing in the nicest way um because it, like you just said it's it's what other people refer to me as you know like for me i don't think about myself like that um so you know it's I prefer that title than many other titles that I have been called. Um, and, 
you know, at least that one, some people don't know what it means. So that's great. And then other people just kind of realize like, oh, he does kind of crazy stuff. So it, it, it gives me a little bit of a pass, I think. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's the name of one of your series, right? Which Yeah. So I, that was, it was actually the name of my last book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of always been doing crazy stuff as you put it right i read i read somewhere that you were you know there was a point where you were trying to like live off like eight dollars a day and just putting your money into doing like these crazy shoots so i i guess i got a sense of your trajectory is like you've always been drawn to like doing these big setups rather than kind of i don't know doing more kind of like documenting stuff and then going into this right you know it's interesting because um you know, this man here is a master of street photography. Uh, and uh, I was just never my strong suit. Um, I always just kind of had these ideas. And so if I would even go out and try and take street photography, I'd want to stop someone on the street and be like, can you put this suit on and, you know, do this? And, you know, it just it doesn't quite work like that. Um, so I and again, what, what he said right off the jump was sacrifice. Um, I think I was willing to sacrifice kind of everything. Uh, I was willing to put everything into my work. Um, like I remember, I remember when I was like first starting to kind of gain success, uh, an actress friend of mine, I was talking to her and I didn't even own a car. I, I had a full-time assistant who had a car and they would drive me because I wouldn't even buy a car because I was like, oh, it's just another shoot I can do. And uh, an actress friend of mine was like, you know, you need a car. Like, you're a grown man. You should have a car. And I was like, oh, okay. So I just... Especially I'm in all, LA. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, very different than London. Yeah. And so I just, I, you know, I was very poor when I started. I lived on my, you know, a couple of my friends' couches. And, and I just never had a problem with it. I always just loved photography so much that any of that other stuff just never bothered me. Like, I, the, like what Alan said, I was just willing to sacrifice whatever people kind of thought was what they needed to be happy. Um, you know, like a car or like, oh, I'm going shopping or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. I was just like, oh, I'll eat, you know, I'll spend $8 a day on food and I'll live on a couch for two years and uh, so that I can make the work that I want to make. Yeah. And it's very interesting how you said about, you know, you, you weren't swayed by uh, trying to do things other than what you're interested in so like you said you know you you, you saw the street photography wasn't for you yeah and likewise I, I i shot some portrait style stuff in and i tried some studio stuff and I, I i knew i wasn't gonna like it and i i think a lot of people feel like they they need to be this kind of uh What's that term? Uh, jack of all trades, where they can, yes, where, they, where they're good. They've, they've covered all the bases, and you see people do it on their on their website. They've got mm-hmm. you know like portf- you know wedding section and like a portrait section and a street section. And it's it's never how it works with talk with with professionals. They seem to just zone in on on a thing that they're really really into and try and carve out their own style, right? Yeah. Some somebody gave me a great piece of advice once. They said, uh, "Take your top ten ideas that you have." And focus on the top two and get rid of the other eight. Mm. And and I always thought that was interesting. Like I, I remember I remember the day that I realized I was never going to do street photography. I had walked around Paris all day. Uh, my girlfriend was just uh, having a spa day at the time. Right, this is years and years and years ago. Yeah. And so I was walking around Paris. I took my camera. I shot all these photos. 
And, you know, they were, they were nice photos, whatever. And I went back and I was like, what am I ever going to do with these? I'm not going to put them in a gallery. I'm not going to put them in my book. Uh, you know, it was fun and I'll take pictures for fun, but I was like, this is just not my thing. Mm. Yeah, know, and, they, yeah. and they weren't incredibly great pictures either. So it's, you know, it was like, oh, I should focus on what I'm good at. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, from from my perspective, what you're good at is uh, like forget all the technique side of it. I hate, I don't really like talking about that stuff. It, it, it's it's your, your the concepts are obviously the thing that um, that 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 you're spending time thinking about. You can see it, and uh, and it's almost like it's not photography from a kind of like an aesthetic. Obviously, the aesthetics are there, but it's almost like the the photos are like you know thinking pieces a lot yeah. of the time. And, I love that. And, and, and I think that that's different to what a lot of people are doing. Um, well, it's different to what I'm doing. Well, maybe not. Uh, but my work can kind of exist just as a, oh, look at these nice shapes or this order of the way that this has fallen. Whereas yours seem to be, yeah, the, the, a lot more conceptual. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. I think people get very caught up in the technical side and the numbers, you know, I have this joke with my assistants, which is like, the numbers are never going to take the picture for you. Yeah, sure. You know, like, like you can, you can futz around and do all this and have all this. The camera doesn't take the picture for you. Mm. You know, you have to come up with the idea or execute it. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of jumped out to me, like when you look at your, when you look on your website or look on your Instagram or whatever is like, we're now in this such a hyper curated era that, and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast in like a positive way that it's great to have your own style. Right. And that like, you know, there's a recognizably so-and-so shot or whatever to the point now where, you know, if you see like Instagram models, whatever, they've got the exact same color palette on every Mm -hmm, image. mm -hmm. Whereas it seems like you were a bit more of a chameleon and like, you know, you've, you've got some shots that are super high contrast or low contrast, black or white and color. Some are portraits, some are close in, some are far away, some are more conceptual, some are more, you know, you seem to like dive around into different things a little bit more, which is probably not the most common thing to do these days. Would you say? <laughs> I would definitely agree with that. And, you know, for, for me, my main thing is I do galleries so, um, you know, I, I think if I walked into all the galleries and I had to go to openings like last year, obviously, you know, no galleries this year, but last year we did, I think, 20 galleries, 20 openings. Hmm. And if I had to walk into 20 openings and it was the same pictures or the same looking pictures and I had to tell, you know, we, we have about an average of like a thousand to two thousand people that come to the openings and if I had to talk to, you know, generally in a night, 500 people and tell all the same stories about the same photos that they're all done the same way, I'd probably be bored to death. So, you know, I personally like the idea of like, you know, I, I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the lynching photo, but it's like the, the black man hanging the KKK member. It's like I have that in a gallery next to, you know, paint all over someone's face, next to a girl running from an airplane. Uh, and it looks like it could be three different photographers, but somehow it all kind of feels like me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been thinking about this and it seems like it's the intent of the work that kind of unifies it rather than the way that it's shot. I like that. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I think uh, that's... That, that, that's the common thread rather than because my my stuff is like you know it's, it's shot in a kind of a particular way and 
I, I don't know. There's variety within the style, but it's 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 a lot more like, oh yeah, that's that's that person kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think you took a photo. I don't know where the building was, but it was like I believe in the kind of height of COVID or something, and there was one man walking. Uh, do you know the one I'm talking about? Um, which like, one? one it was like one. It was like one. I, don't, I can't pull up anything right now, but it was one man kind of walking, like maybe by a museum or it was like a really right. kind of yeah, yeah, architect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you know that photo? Yeah. I, I remember when I saw that, I mean, to me, I was like, that's one of those photos where I can see it and then I can see all of your other work in a, in a nice way. Like it connects me to everything else you do in a really yeah, kind nice. of seamless way. And that one really struck out to me when I saw it. I was like, that is a, a really incredible image. Oh, cheers, man. Well, it's funny, isn't it, how, um, you know, we always, I always strive to take my best ever photo every day, like whenever I go <laughs> yeah. out. I'm, 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 yeah. always, I'm always thinking of, and whenever I've got a shot, I I, I get a very brief, well, for, for actually backtracking a bit, I, I very rarely know when I've got it, like at, at the time. Mm. Um, but occasionally I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah I, I've definitely got, got a shot here. Whereas I guess for you it's different because you're, preparing for like with your rolls-royce picture for example yeah yeah uh like you must have you know planned i i don't know how far do you storyboard these kind of things do you go like i want a desert i want a rolls-royce and i want some loads of fire i would just i would just say and then please like respond to that though when i was like drawing that like contrast between the two different approaches i don't think one's even better than the other it's just like you can either yeah, yeah it's just go different. into like the stylistic territory or not I, it was the analogy i always think of with with film is that like Tarantino has very much a style and you watch a Tarantino film and it is a Tarantino film, like whichever one you watch. Mm -hmm. You watch a Kubrick film and they're all completely different and you wouldn't if you were an alien and came down from space and you watched right. Barry Lyndon and then watched 2001 A Space Odyssey, you wouldn't necessarily know that's the same director. But two great directors, so... But anyway, yeah. Go, yeah, 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 no, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's just a <laughs> different approach. Well, so for... When we, when we do something like the Rolls-Royce, you know, I, I, I can... I can see every image I take exactly how it is before I take it. I'll have it flash into my mind. So like with the Rolls Royce, I remember one day I was talking to a friend of mine about, about blowing something up. He was asking me about blowing something up. I said, oh, man, I've always wanted to blow up a Rolls Royce. And in that moment, <laughs> it, it literally clicked into my mind and then I could not stop seeing it. So was it and everything, like the detail, like the color of the car? Everything. everything. Like so then, uh, down to well, the detail. Yeah. So then you have to go out and source it, which uh -huh. is, uh, <laughs> and it's always, I guess it's like making a film almost. It's like making a, a set, yep. dressing a set and, and making a, a still, a single frame from what could, you know, it's, it's, it's the same kind of work as uh, absolutely, like, yeah, a shot in a film, isn't it? And, and the guy who blew up the car for me, I mean, he did like Transformers and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> like he was like, oh yeah, I can blow it up. You know, we'll do a 30 foot flame and I can have the hood land within six inches of an X on the ground, whatever you want. Like, you know, they just, wow. they, they, yeah, they know how to do all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, so that's one side of it. The other side of it is like I did that whole Marie Antoinette era shoot. I don't know if you guys saw any of those, but we built some, we built like a room from Versailles. And so we built it at my house. We, you know, custom make all these gowns and the wigs and the whole, I mean, you know, we did, we like build the whole thing out. 
And then I just kind of let the girls go into the room and do whatever they wanted. And then I ended up taking this one picture where they all just happened to walk over and they all, without any real direction, just started grabbing the cakes. And I was like, this is the shot. And so once they kind of grabbed everything, I held them all there because we were doing it on an 8x10 camera. And that was my first time ever kind of shooting more casually, but still on an 8x10, which was a weird weird experience yeah Yeah. sometimes that's the best thing the balance isn't it where you set everything up and you kind of pre-visualize it all and you get everything in place but then you see what can happen spontaneously within that setup you let them play that was the idea with that is it's like as though i was able to take a snapshot in the court of marie antoinette so it needed to feel a little more organic you know yeah, what's exciting to me about that whole genre is like, yeah, compared to street photography, it's a lot of setup and a lot more staff and team and stuff. But compared to a film, it's still a, a drop in the ocean, you know. Right. So whereas like, whereas a film, you know, as a filmmaker, you've got to take a look at the budget and think, okay, how are we going to spread this across, you know, 500 shots on, you know, 18 different locations? You can just say, right, whatever budget we have, we're going to throw everything on Into what fits, in, fits yes. in this one frame. So like, it's quite exciting in that sense. Yep, I agree. And, well, and I mean, what, there's there's still room for error, though, isn't there? I guess, oh, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm guessing that that it doesn't always just, or or you know, maybe they build a set for you overnight or whatever, and then you go in and you're like, nah, this is not <laughs> yes. this is not right. There there's been a couple times, like when we did the Marie Antoinette, I I, came, I walked downstairs and I saw the floor, and I was like, we got to put a different floor in. This floor doesn't look real, and you know, next thing you know, they're rebuilding a whole floor. So yeah, it it definitely. It definitely happens. And man, the the weird stuff that happens and the weird things that I've had to kind of do, like when we went to blow up the car, we had a drought. And so we had to push the shoot a month because uh, to rent a water truck went from being like $500 to I think it was 20000 for the day. Wow. Because that's how much the cost of the water went up. Um, Jeez. So we had to, you know, we had to push it another month and do this and that. And so just weird, weird stuff happens. So, you was, yeah, oh, go, no, on go on, Chris. Well, I was just going to ask about, um, about budget for these things. So I don't know how it works exactly. Do you, do you have uh, like some sort of pool that you think, how best am I going to use this? <laughs> and, and, and like how, I don't, it's just, I'm just genuinely asking out of, out of interest. Yeah, I have yeah. no idea, no idea how this stuff works. Cause my stuff's all, all uh, very low overheads, let's say. Right. Uh, oh God, that sounds beautiful. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause I, I was just looking at some of your stuff and you know, so like that, that shot of the girl with the uh, Coca-Cola cup with the straw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, th- that I imagine wasn't as expensive, you know, was not that, as big that a deal. That cost probably 20 bucks. Yeah. See, so, yep. do you, do you sometimes think, Oh God! I need to do some more of those for a while because we just spent two two hundred grand blowing up a Rolls Royce. Um, yes, that definitely happens. Um, it's so funny that you say that. I have this one photo that I took, um, which was one of my best sellers, and it cost me—I want to say it cost me fifty bucks to do right. Mm. And then I have some other photos that cost ten, twenty, thirty thousand, and they don't sell nearly as fast. And you're just like, what, <laughs> like, what yeah. am I doing? What am I doing? Like, I'm, but, but to me, it all kind of balances out. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't really do those bigger ones. Like I would never do the bigger one 
if I couldn't just literally throw the money away because mm. you have no guarantee that someone's going to buy it. I, oh, sure. pay, I pay for everything out of my own pocket um, with, the hope yeah. that, with the hope that, you know, a print will sell. Um, it's, it's, it's funny. So it reminds me of we were speaking to a wildlife photographer called uh, David Yarrow. Mm-hmm. And he said that uh, his first uh, he was in uh, the finance industry, and he got the bug for photography, and, and he he'd been dabbling with it. But he he decided he wanted to really make a, a go at it, and um, he ended up taking a picture of this great white shark in in South Africa, and he it took him like ten trips or something to get the shot he wanted, <laughs> and he said that he sold it for seventeen thousand uh, dollars, which he was dis dismayed at because it cost him about twenty five thousand back then to, to actually make it happen <laughs> yeah and, and and he was like shit i've just paid eight grand for this new for the for nat geo to have this picture or whatever so yep. was- what, but what's like interesting in david's case is then he's lent even more into the higher overhead so like you know he so he made a name for himself shooting you know wildlife which okay yeah it's expensive to go out and do on those shoots and wait for ages for the animal to come but at least mm-hmm. it was mostly just him and like a handler Right. Um, whereas, but now he's like going to, you know, in the middle of Namibia with like actors from Game of Thrones and building like a set that looks like a Western. And so he's lent even more into stuff where the you've got to <laughs> work even harder in a sense to recoup, recoup your costs, which is interesting. But. Absolutely. He and I share, um, I don't know, maybe five or six galleries. Um, mm. So I yeah. don't know. I don't know him, uh, but obviously I hear he's an amazing guy. And I've seen some of his work and uh, I'm, I was happy to see when he started trying to make that kind of progression because in that realm, there's only a handful of people who actually do stuff like that. You know, Gregory Crudson was one of like the kind of pioneers of kind of building the sets and doing the galleries. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, now Yaro's doing it uh, in his mm. own way, which is really cool. And then I kind of do it in my own way. Um, do you know um, Alex Prager? Uh, yeah, I, I know her. It's funny because I, I met her like when she was just first starting out and I was kind of mm. starting out. So we kind of came up around the same time and she was yeah. building some sets and stuff as well and, and kind of doing bigger productions. Yeah, I think she's got goes to this sort of like Hitchcockian kind of right, 50s, right. 60s early thing. But yeah, like, I think there's so much opportunity in that in that realm. It's like a somewhat somewhat unexplored genre in a way. Um, yeah, it, I will say this: it is scary for a lot of photographers, you know. Yeah. And and um, obviously for me, like I started out really, I was really poor, and so it was like, well, I have to make this amount of money to be able to do this idea. And you know, if I if I did all the ideas I have, I'd probably spend you know fifty million dollars <laughs> doing shoots, uh, yeah. which I would never you know potentially recoup. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, you kind of have to do them as you're going. Like, you know, we're get, we, we just, um, I just did this photo of, uh, of this kid in a swamp, which is like the kind of second to the lynching image, which that costs me nothing to do. But the image that I have coming out at the end of the month is one of my biggest productions. Um, and, uh, it's, we built a full oval office. Jeez. And, and I mean, it was like, Full on, you know, we had we had um, people trying to buy it from us at the end because it was such mm. a like perfect Oval Office, and you know that was I mean that was a huge production. We shot the behind the scenes video 
and a video portrait on 35 millimeter movie film. And we shot the whole shoot on eight by 10. Um, and it was a, you know, it was a big, big production, but, but on, on the, on the flip side of it, uh, I haven't put the image out yet, but I've already recouped all the cost. Yeah. Which is, which is nice. Yeah, sure. I love that there's a market for secondhand Oval Offices. There's some right? guy was just wandering around like, I hate these guys have a really good Oval Office. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I might, I might pick that up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they built it all like the curved flats and everything. Like they built every single inch of it by hand. And uh, there's no standing Oval Office in Los Angeles. Because I was like, oh, we can just rent one. Uh, there, was not, there was not one in the entire city that was standing. You could probably turn that into a tourist attraction, just like drag it onto Venice Beach. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You really could. Well, what's crazy is when we did the shoot. You know, I, I mean, I spent a fortune on the shoot. It was a giant undertaking, uh, and then I'm like, oh, all right, you know, I'm going to put this in my next gallery, and we're going to see, you know, what the response is, and hopefully, I make my money back. And then a week later, we went into a global lockdown. Mm. And I was like, okay, well. Mm. Yeah, the unforeseen extra thing for freelance art creators. Yep. You now have to consider worldwide pandemics as an extra hurdle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yep. to change track a little bit. I mean, the last two photographs of yours we just spoke about, one was about to do with lynching or like reverse lynching. This one was about something in the Oval Office. You're obviously someone who doesn't particularly fear backlash, which I think is right. quite interesting and maybe 10 years ago made more sense. And I think people have never been more scared of backlash in the last like couple of years. Wow. So uh, I wonder how you feel about it and what makes you able to like not give a shit, whereas some people are so terrified. I It's funny because like some of my friends, you know, who have been around through, because I've been through this, you know, many times, the president was mad at me and then I had you know, different organizations mad at me and death threats and the whole thing. And my friends are like, there's something wrong with you in your brain because <laughs> it just does not bother me in the in the least bit. And I think to Alan's point, you know, going back to sacrifice, when I got into doing this and I knew that I wanted to take, you know, I don't want to call them crazy, but let's call it provocative images. I knew that there would 100% be a time when I would have to deal with that. And so I think by kind of understanding that before I went into it, when it started to happen, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, like, this is what I expected. And then, you know, nobody gets used to it. Um, you know, like when I was on lockdown for two weeks, and I had the Secret Service outside my house, I couldn't go anywhere, I was on a no fly list, like, you know, all that. Everyone for was a like, photograph. Oh. Yeah, for a photograph. Yeah, I guess for li for listeners who aren't aware, we should say that was presumably there was the the Kathy Griffin shot right with the severed head it looked a bit like Trump. But yeah, continue. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, that was a crazy Tuesday. Um, so <laughs> I I'm like sitting in my house and you know all my friends are messaging me like, "Are you okay?" Or, and I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna sit here and watch Netflix for a couple of weeks and edit some I'm photos." Have a barbecue and at five a.m. Yeah, I'll bar barbecue and I'm good to go. Confuse the shit out of them, right? Um, so you know, I I don't know. It's like I have this weird thing in me where, because you know, I've had people write really mean things about me and and you know, really like I hate you for doing this. Um, 
But I just think that a compliment and an insult are the same thing. I, uh, an insult just takes longer to write. And so when people are dedicated to writing something mean to you or they want to write this angry thing towards you, you've created a piece of work that has affected them. And, um, you know, if, if you make stuff that people just like and, you know, love forever, then you've, you've never really kind of pushed yourself out of your comfort zone. Now, again, that's in the type of work that I make. For instance, Alan's work, you know, I don't imagine there's a lot of people that have a, a visceral hatred to some of it. Um, no, it's I'm more just towards me. I, I, I get stuff where <laughs> you just get no, – it's so weird, man. Like, I, I've got a folder on my desktop. I collect all of the, the weirdest messages I get because uh, you, you do just get them. Uh, sure. And, and yeah, <laughs> my favorite one was um, – I mean, it's nothing like having Secret Service on you or anything like that. <laughs> I chat this guy just kept sending me messages, insulting my hair, and I found it so funny. <laughs> you just wouldn't he just, like it's the idea. This guy, and there was one that was timestamped one thirty one p.m. and for, it just tickled me that he'd he'd opened his laptop up and was like, right, just had my lunch. I'm gonna and give that. I'm gonna I'm give going that in. Alan guy. I'm gonna tell him about his hair. And it oh wrote me like a God. paragraph. And it's just that was actually me. I've just been keeping your ego in yeah, check under yeah, like a yeah. fake handle. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I get I get things like people say, "Oh, you're not original," or they said, "You know, you'd cut you, you're doing this and you're doing that." And I, I see it as it's just part of everything. It's just yeah. just take it. I, I don't mind. Whenever I do talks and and uh, you know like young kids like sometimes I'll talk at schools and stuff and and the kids will always ask me like what's the hardest part about being a photographer, and I say the taking the pictures is fun, the editing if you think about it like a video game or you like lock in it's fun, um, doing galleries fun it's all yeah. fun, I said the hardest part is can you take the heat. And, you know, there's obviously levels to the heat. Sometimes it's someone insulting your hair at 131, which is hysterical. <laughs> sometimes you got the Secret Service outside or sometimes you got your mom being like, you should have been a lawyer. You're wasting your time and your life. Right. So there's there's yeah. all kinds of levels to it. But whatever that level is, can you take it? I, I am assuming for you, uh, you found pure joy and laughter in the hair assault. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. sent it. I sent <laughs> yeah. it to all my nearest and dearest, and yeah. uh, and then was insulted further by them, <laughs> uh, which was great. Well, yeah, well, it's the, the disappointment of your mother. That's the real killer, man. You can you can do right? as many like yep. egg avatars on the internet having a go at you, but that's the one. You oh know. man, for me, for me, it was my dad. It just completely incredulous. Just like <laughs> what? You, I, what? My favorite bit with dad was I saved up and. Uh, it took me a while to be able to get this this black and white camera that I shoot on. Uh, yep. It's a Leica. So it's a digital, but it only shoots in black and white. And um, it can't shoot in color. And, and when, I, when I told my dad this, he was like, he was like, <laughs> you, he was like you spent $11,000 on a camera that can't shoot in color. And I went, yeah. And he was like, like my yeah, phone can it... shoot in color. I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, what have I done to deserve this? This is stupid. He, he, yeah, he just didn't get it. But. That is awesome. The thing is, um, the thing is, with backlash at the moment, that like 
people don't seem to understand and I feel like I would tell everyone if I was their PR advisor is just you have to be unapologetic like yes. obviously if you've done something actually wrong that you need to apologize sure. for fine sure. but if you've just made a piece of art and it rubs some people up the wrong way the second you do a fucking like tearful Instagram video of like I'm learning I've apologized and I'm learning to be a better person you just you've, you, you're you over you've, you've just got to like yeah. have confidence in what you do my friends make fun of me because there's a uh, when I finally left the house after the secret service and everything, I finally talked to them. And so I finally leave the house and there were like news vans outside my house and everything. And so they'd all kind of gone away because, you know, the news cycle goes away. So I finally leave. I'm like, I'm going to go to the store and get myself some ice cream. So I go to the store. It's like 10 PM. I'm coming out of the grocery store and I see a dude with a video camera and I'm so like, you know, I'm not thinking about it at all. I like go to walk by him and I realize that he's pointing the camera at me and I'm like, oh, right, right. Okay. Because I just, you know, you, you're just never assuming like they're there for you. I'm like, oh, Charlize Theron must be in the grocery store. <laughs> and so he goes, you know, oh yeah. Hey man, uh, do you have anything? Like, do you want to apologize for your photo or like, do you have anything you want to say? And I just said, uh, no, you know, I, I never apologize for anything. And he goes, really? And I go, yeah, I'm not sorry. And he goes, well, what are you going to do next? I said, well, I'm going to go home and eat this ice cream. And, <laughs> and all yeah. my friends just never, they always are like, oh, you're going home to eat your ice cream? <laughs> but no, and I, and I do think you guys are, you're absolutely right. Like there is this crazy, like people are very scared right now of doing anything that, you know, could result in some type of backlash. So, you know, it's like when when, when we put the image out today, um, I mean, you know, a lot of my friends were like, is this going to turn? Are people going to be upset? You know, and I'm like, look, it is what it is. You can't live your life in fear. Mm. There's a thing, actually, I, I was reading an interview, I think you gave after that whole, that whole thing happened with the Kathy Griffin photo where, uh, the interview said to you, uh, why do you think people are fine watching a movie? Uh, I guess they mean with gore in it, um, but mm -hmm. they take an image like this as reality. And I think you said that's a whole other conversation, which is really interesting. I think we should have that conversation because awesome. it is. It's like, I think someone once said that like a, an act of violence in an American movie has no ability to refer to anything but itself. Mm -hmm. I, I love that because you, you can so easily watch like, you know, a gory, brutal horrible film and it's a film and everyone is fully aware of that. But very often in, in photography, people, as soon as you depict something a little bit out there, people take it a really different way, yep. which is super interesting. I mean, I guess it's because you haven't got the context of all those other frames and scenes, but still, I don't know. It shouldn't be that way. I had a, I had a friend who was an actor and he was posing in a picture. So it was him and this other actress and, um, he had a girlfriend who was also an actress. She was on a TV show that, and she did many love scenes and, you know, the whole kind of deal. Show him the picture. And I guess he shows her the picture and she calls me and she's like, I can't believe you did this with my boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you had three sex scenes <laughs> where you were actually like touching another person who was not your boyfriend and you're mad because it looks like he's kissing someone in a picture. <laughs> and she goes, yes, because it's a picture. And I said, there's no difference. Yeah. 
Yeah. Whether the cam- whether the camera is shooting 24 frames a second or one frame, there's no difference. And I said, you should really think about it. And she called me back. It took her a week. <laughs> she, she called me back a week later and was like, I've thought about it. And you're right. <laughs> That's so like, great though, isn't it? Because yeah. a lot of people wouldn't be that wouldn't be that big they'd just be yeah. like no it's, it's not right it's not right but the fact she was yeah. like you know what yeah i thought about it she thought it through and she came to the same realization that's great I, and when she said i'm she said you're right i go how many times did you almost call me and say you're wrong and she said every day until today <laughs> i love this lady a modern day hero oh you know not all heroes wear capes <laughs> yeah so i guess the the still still photographs is it because people have more time to reflect on them, do you think? Do you think it's because they the way that it's consumed? I, I think the photos are, are consumed in two ways online. There's the super vapid, like, scrolling, 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 and people giving them, like, a second or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe even less than a second, like a third of a second. And then people sometimes say, you know, oh, you, you know, this picture made me stop in my tracks. And then they really have a good look at it and they study it for a while and maybe it's that intensity on a single frame that makes people kind of see a photo in a different way to watching a film where it's it's constantly changing like they can actually focus in on a very specific thing well i think a a film also gives you an audio emotional representation of what you're supposed to feel so a great movie, the sound is telling you how you should feel in that moment, and it's related to the picture. So everything from a great filmmaker is driving you to one emotional thing. They want you to laugh. They want you to cry. They want your skin to crawl. Whatever the emotion is, right? They, yeah, yeah. A team of people are helping to construct this, this ship to drive you into this one place. And with a photograph... You have people like you and me who take it, and I don't, I don't know if it's the same for you, but for me, I take a picture and I want to say nothing about it. I want the viewer to make up their entire own story. They are doing the music. They are deciding if it's a thriller, a comedy, if it's uh, a tragedy, what, whatever it is to yeah. them. And uh, I, think, I totally agree. And I think the better that you execute that, the more confused people are. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I went as far as not titling my work until I started doing galleries. Mm. Uh, when for cataloging purposes and sales, it actually they could <laughs> right. all just be called the same name. You're like, untit- this is a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, yeah. I don't know what to call it. Man stands in shadowy doorway. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, we we did a whole episode of that, didn't we? Talking about that and how it's unfortunate that you have to do things like post captions or yeah. post, have post titles yeah, images because actually they'd be better off just with no text at all. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I remember I saw one on your website uh, earlier today uh, that, that was uh, a, a woman in a clay mask. Yeah, uh, and it's called clay mask, which <laughs> which which is great. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you called it that because I thought, yeah, you know, you could have called it like pondering right right the, you know that and and and, oh. and and it, it seems like you've just given it a title because you're like oh, i don't know I'll just call it clay mask <laughs> this, this is one of my favorite things so whenever i uh go through titles with a gallery so i have a i have a new gallery in arizona right now that's just kind of opening and so i was going through titles on the phone with a guy yesterday and he goes okay uh i'm gonna use the claim he goes what's the clay mask one called 
And I go, clay mask. And he goes, okay. And then he goes, what's the, what's the mirror one called? And I go, mirror. And he goes, he goes, what's the rain one called? And I go, rain. And he's like, I'm starting to see a theme here. <laughs> yeah. You could actually play off against that even more and call it call it the rain one. Right. The, the mirror the, one. The, the clay mirror. mask yeah, one. That's actually a great idea. <laughs> I, I actually, uh, I, I, I did a show at the Leica Gallery in New York uh, last year. And uh, I, it was a new series that I hadn't shown. It was all shot in Manhattan. And uh, I, I, I just had fun with the names. Uh, I just I just made silly names for, for these pieces that put them up. Like there's one. Uh, I'm from a Jewish background. You're from a Jewish background as well, right, Tyler? Uh, no, no. But everyone thinks that I'm Jewish. Uh, oh, it, it said, all it, it said the time. that on, on it said that online. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, no. It literally, <laughs> I, I I might as well be Jewish because everyone is always like, Wait. "You're Jewish, right?" Wikipedia is a mis misidentified. Oh, yeah. your that's right. Hey, I'll take it. Well, I I had the situation where so I called this picture. It's a Hasidic Jew walking across yeah. a bridge, and I was I was with my friend in London, and we were try, I was trying to name it, and he said, "Call it Jaywalking," where where because the uh, J stands for J. And, and and I was like I was like cool. All right, and so we had a little laugh. I put it down. So the gallery owner is Jewish. And we're standing there in front of the picture, and he's got the title under it. And he and he he goes, "I'm not going to do a New York accent, but he goes, is this title what I think it is?'" (laughs) And I went, went, "Yeah." And and he he went, "I hope you're Jewish." I went, "I am." And he was like, "Okay, you got to pass it. It's fine." (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) It's got nothing to do with the. uh, I don't know all all of the names of that show. I, I kind of just made silly things like that i don't know if that devalues it but i have no idea I, I, I hate actually trying to come up with a fancy name for something and then you're right like, like you said it's, it's it's almost like steering people into feeling something uh and and it's so much better when how many ways people yeah I, I don't know if you if you you must get this as well on, on instagram i get such varied reactions to pictures and in, in comments absolutely i mean especially especially with your stuff like you must get a whole lot oh. of different like way more i mean I could get, I, I sometimes ask like, what do you, th- like, what do you think this means? Or where do you think this story goes? And every single comment is different. And I've had, I've had a bunch of different collectors ask me over the years, like, oh, like, tell me what this means to you. And I go, I'll never tell you what it means to me. I'll tell you the story about how I made it. But my job is to create it. Yeah. And your job is to interpret it. And so what it means to me doesn't matter because I made Mm. it my my, I never get to see it finished. You know, I only I only see it through the whole process. Yeah. I wanted to um, talk a little bit about obviously you you do a a bit of work with nudes, which in photography has you know, such a long tradition going, you know, back to like Edward Weston and Imogen County and people. Um, And there's this obviously this thing online on Instagram where you have to like sensor nipples which people have taken different approaches to some people do these awkward like black spots now the latest thing is people mostly just sort of like remove them and the conversation people always have it's become kind of like cliche is talking about you know free the nipple and body positivity etc but it's it's kind of an interesting thing in its own right and i think in some images it does this it makes everything look more alien and it's just it's a really like interesting quirk of history that yes. new nudes that have been published between the years 
of like whatever, like 2014 and until they ever decide to sort it the fuck out and just let people post whatever they want to post, there's going to be all of these like nippleless nudes. And it's such a strange thing, isn't it? Well, for, for me, you know, I get to have them in galleries without obviously the alien uh, nipple coverings (laughs) and then books as well. So I, I was fine. I was having a conversation about this the other day because at least like with mine, some people get to see them without the covering. A lot of, there are a lot of photographers who exist in this time period who maybe those works will never be seen in any other way because their platform is just Instagram. And so, you know, I mean, maybe they do a book one day, but it's like there's a lot of photographers that just exist on Instagram and their nudes will only ever be seen the, you know, quote, alien way. Uh, I love that that reference about it. Um, (laughs) But but, you know, look, to me, my my personal opinion is that it makes the photos look way more ridiculous Mm. Um, and there's nothing scary about a nipple. And the yeah. fact that I can show my nipple and a woman can't show her nipple makes no sense to me. <laughs> now, from yeah. a practical sense, I also am not the owner of Instagram and it's their business. And so, you know, they're going to do whatever they think is going to make them more money because to them it's a business. You know, we, yeah. we, I think all three of us probably more think from an artistic standpoint, hence why we're not all tech billionaires. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we're like, yeah, let's go. Let's put these nipples. And, the, you know, somebody's like, I need another helicopter. Okay, we can't. I, my, my yacht is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, it just makes the picture about the, about the nipple. I it does, yeah. Because, it, it because draws like, attention to it in its absence. It just intensifies the, the – yeah, it's just you, you just – Human eyes are drawn to aberrations, I think, in things where like, things that aren't meant to be there, and it's just like, oh, what's that? And then you can't, and then it ruins the picture. It's like it's done. <laughs> I had, in in the very early days of uh, Instagram, I had done a black bar, like a big black bar across, and the across the whole picture, just yeah. as more of like a this is re- absurd kind of thing. Yeah, and I remember uh, I had a collector. Um, and they were like, I want to buy this picture. And I go, okay. And they go, but I want to buy it with the bar. <laughs> and uh. I was like, uh, why? And they're like, because the bar represents a time in history to me of absurdity of why we cannot see a nipple on Instagram. Yeah. I guess, Fair yeah. play. That's, that's, I guess, what I was and speaking I, I to. Thought, I it? thought, yeah, I thought, yeah. It was, I thought it was really interesting. The, the black bar is particularly ugly as well. It just looks really sort of like immature. It makes me think yes. of, you know, like a teenager flipping through a magazine with oh, like, you know, yes. bits like, <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking somewhat of, uh, of, of superficiality is something that's, uh, you're, you know, you're interested in, in your, in your work, whether, you know, it's that, that shot of the alligator eating the, the alligator skin handbag and stuff. <laughs> I, I was, one thing came to mind when you were talking about that camera being pointed at you and you thinking like, oh, who is this here for? Shirley's Theron? Or, um, I seen someone talk the other day about they were having dinner somewhere in LA and, there were the restaurant manager said there were so many more paparazzi outside than they'd ever seen in the history of the restaurant, and it's because there was a table of TikTok stars in the restaurant. Oh yeah, and they and that they said they drew more paparazzi than when they'd had an A-list celebrity in there, and I was like, wow, that's a real like kind of 
benchmark moment. And I have this weird thing where like, as someone who is interested in, you know, where people, where the conversation is, where people are like existing and existing online and interested in the kind of interested in somewhat vapidity, I should be interested in TikTok. And yet my inclination is to just not give a fuck. <laughs> I don't know what, uh, what you guys think about it. Well, it took, I mean, took me ages to get Chris on Instagram. <laughs> totally but even. I mean, yeah, but at least once I eventually did, at least I realized that Instagram, amongst other some terrible things, can be a place to share art. Whereas, I mean, maybe I'm just being a complete ignoramus, but from all I can tell, TikTok is a place to just like lip sync to songs and shake your butt. So. I, I, I uh, early, early on, um, one of my friends was like, there's this new app, you got to get your name on it. You know, it's called TikTok, whatever, it's going to be a video thing. So I got on it. And then I didn't have any videos or anything. And so one, <laughs> one day yeah. I just, I put up a video and then my account got hacked and someone was like, you know, I'll give you your account back for 500 bucks. So I started another account and I just wrote my old account got hacked and they wanted money. So now I made this account. <laughs> like that was like my bio. So I post a video of me giving my girlfriend a piggyback ride after a shoot. And the first hour, it got 100,000 views, and then it got half a million. And then I looked at, like, two hours later, it was at, like, I don't know, three million. The next day, it was at four. I think it maybe hit around six million in 48 hours. And I realized there is no purpose for me on this platform because <laughs> I, spend, I spend all my time doing these crazy photos and blowing things up. No, nobody cares i give uh, a beautiful girl a piggyback ride and six million people watch it <laughs> that's that that's life <laughs> i guess that's the numbers are so seductive aren't they but it's like what does it mean what does it actually mean that six Nothing. million people watch that Nothing. yeah you know you know how many people followed me <laughs> yeah go on <laughs> like 800 <laughs> I got like 800 followers from a 6 million person, 6 million view video. And, and this is the thing that I, that's not that a good always, ratio. That's a horrible <laughs> ratio. Well, there was no other videos on the channel. So there was nothing else for them to watch. My thing is it's so easy for people to get caught up in likes and people put such a premium on these numbers, right? The, the, um, the measure of success is not the amount of likes that you get. It's the quality of people liking them. So, you know, Alan was saying earlier, you know, you get two seconds of someone, you know, just swipe, 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 swipe. And that counts as a view. That counts as, you know, some, some people just go boom, 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 boom. Yeah. None, none of that is real and none of that does anything for you. Um, no. So, it, you know, it definitely boosts people's egos. But I know people who get, uh, you know, 100 to 200,000 likes on one of their photos and they live in their mom's basement. And, yeah. you know, not that there's anything wrong with living in your mom's basement. Mm. But, you know, the thing is, like, I think that the likes are actually doing a disservice to people. I have friends who they will only try and take photos that they know will get likes. They... Yeah try and make work that they know will get engagement. And it's a very, it's the most dangerous thing for an artist. Um, and, you know, I did this whole thing on like content is the enemy of art. 
And, you know, it's like, oh, I got to put out a new photo tomorrow and I got to get up. I got to do my post. So I get, you know, 20,000 likes and whatever, whatever. But it doesn't serve you in any way. It's all empty. And I don't know. Do you remember, you know, a post that you did two years ago? Like, yeah, that one got this many likes. And then the next day I got this many. You you forget about it, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think... I, I think- yeah. I, I think that Instagram serves a purpose and and people see it as like the end game uh, a lot of the time and the popularity on it, uh, as you said, do- definitely doesn't equate to actually getting money. <laughs> so, right. but, it, it, but, but it is a useful, I, I think, I think being popular on, on Instagram is something that can help seed other things like you know getting people to galleries and yes, uh, yes selling books and selling workshops and things like that and and for me uh i i think that people need to focus on stuff outside of instagram and use it as part of the chain of of things oh, and, and it's, it's just I, a useful tool and that's it and, and yep. but, but people now see it as as like you know oh god if like I get it all the time. It's like, oh, you, you've got so many follow, you know, this many followers. Wow, you, you know, you you must have, uh, you know, you must be like a millionaire. Or, you know, and it's like, well, no, <laughs> you know, that that that's not how it works. And, right. and like you said, that there, like, I remember seeing this thing about this TikTok star in China, and she's like, she has one of the biggest accounts on there, twenty million followers or something, and 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 she was raided because her neighbor complained about the smell from her flat. And when they went in, if you haven't seen this, you should check this out on, 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 you should look it up. And she was living in like, in like worse than a squat, like the, like, like disgusting conditions. And she was really mentally ill, obviously. And, and had a lot of issues that she needed to work through. And she was just like in the, it's like the photos from it you will not believe it and she's like posting this like she but in the corner there's like this like white backdrop where she does her selfies and stuff it's just it's terrifying terrifying shit it's it's fascinating isn't it it's quite a house of cards as well because i I can't believe i read this article like five times i was was just going i was like (laughs) i cannot cannot believe this and 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 it's all uh it's it's a fugazi and these things can just like disappear you know if, if everyone suddenly pivots off away from one platform or it, it just completely goes under like that one vine did overnight this thing that snapchat. people have built was just oof, just gone yeah. yeah snapchat's really the same it's interesting but, yeah like well i i mean the other side of the coin is yeah i i think people shouldn't get wrapped up in all that stuff uh but they but yeah but it can serve a purpose that that's my my question is what you know, now there's a huge turnover with these kind of TikTok stars and people like that. And I, and look, going back to Instagram, I agree. I think Instagram is a fantastic platform. I think, yeah. you know, I've discovered a lot of people on it. I may never have seen your work if it wasn't for Instagram and vice yeah. versa, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I love it. I think it's great. I just think people, like you said, they make it their end game and that's yeah. dangerous. The TikTok thing. So I don't know how much you guys know about this, but I apparently uh, my assistants kind of tell they keep me uh, kind of in the loop with these things. I don't I don't watch the news. I don't really follow anything. But they're like they're like, you got to see this community that's formed on TikTok. And it's a group. There's a ton of photographers and they do the like, you know, like it's a photo like through a cup like up and someone's like pouring ice in and, you know, they do like these like crazy types of photos and they're getting, you know, 10, 15 million views on a video. 
Um, and that, and what's wild is that's what a lot of people in this younger generation now view as photography. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I saw something similar that was like photography hacks or some sort of life that's, hacks. Thing. That, yes, that's exactly what, right. Yeah. And, 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 and I just thought that, you know, <laughs> if you actually did it, it's just the most useless fucking thing you could do with your time <laughs> to actually, re- you know, to do the things that they're saying. Like, it's all, it's just like a useless cycle of, of crap. Take, take but, your but, belt off, <laughs> wrap your belt around your camera and then dangle it down off a bridge <laughs> and then use a coat hanger that you keep in your pocket to press the shutter release button. And then you've got aerial photographs for free. <laughs> yeah, that's like... What? <laughs> By the way, because I pe- people are not seeing this, but Alan's face right now is cracking me up, and and I can't believe someone insulted your hair. It's, you got, a, you got a, oh, an thanks, illustrious man. head of Thank hair. Thank you. Thank you. I think Chris <laughs> yeah, and I have got the, 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 the best hair ratio. Oh my god! Uh, for, yeah, for any Chris, podcast, your hair is longer, right? You have longer. We are, uh, yeah, an abundantly haired podcasting duo. <laughs> Um, you guys should do a, a podcast just on hair care. Yeah. On hair care hacks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hacks. Dude, I'm telling you, hacks are where it's at. I wanted to do, um, you know, they have all those like hacks on how to make your photos look like they're shot on film and stuff like that. Yeah. So I wanted to make a spoof video that was how to make your photo look like it was shot on film and it's just loading the film camera. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that man. Was whole, oh. That was the whole video. Oh. That annoys me so much, that whole Leica released this camera, which is a digital camera, and it's got a film winder lever, but on on it, even though it doesn't act as a, it's not a function, it's just used as a thumb rest. And 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 they've got no and it's got no screen on it. So okay. so it's literally it's literally a film camera with an SD card in. Wow. And, and they say, you know, returning to the purest form of this and that and 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 it's a you know it's a it's it's very expensive and like i get some people might find it useful but i'm just why you know just just buy a film camera right <laughs> just buy a film yeah. camera. i mean i mean a leica m6 you know is like a tenth of the cost right and and i like the idea of um parody hacks it's just like life hack work hard and diligently over a number of years well i i came up with a life hack, life for, hack. For, to, to create your camera into one of those which was to buy some duct tape and cover your screen oh my god i was literally just about to say or we could just cover the screen and, yeah. you know, or, or just don't look at it. Just don't look at it. Discipline. You know, it's it's funny because I did a show with like a um, poof, must have been 2016 or 2017. Right. It was the it was this. We had the opening, and then a week later, the Kathy Griffin thing happened. So it was just chaos. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I did a talk, and someone in the Leica store during the talk said, "Well." <laughs> At Leica, why would you spend this much money on a Leica? Wow. Which I, which I thought was so ballsy <laughs> that, that I was like, fantastic question. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it's so funny because I, I don't know if you guys know the famous Steve Jobs line. It's one of the most absurd quotes that he ever said, which I love, which is first class and coach arrive on the runway at the same time. and i think the journalist that he said that to was like what does that even mean um but but you know there's something to me about like 
Leica makes an incredible camera. Hasselblad makes an incredible camera. Like there are certain cameras that they're just very well made, but yeah. you don't have to church it up. Like they're, they're great. Like they're, you know, my main camera I use is a probably a 25 year old Hasselblad film camera. Yeah. And I mean, that's been the same design they had since I think the forties or thirties or yeah. yeah, probably forties. Right. Um, and it's like the the M6, it's like, it's a perfect camera. Yeah. So they're just trying to kind of do things to be like, well, maybe somebody wants to buy this. Well, maybe we'll sell some of these. Yeah, I mean, I've always admired like for not jumping into the whole like numbers game, like a, a lot of, I mean, I think they've done it now a bit. Uh, but, you know, when everyone started going like, you need more megapixels and like, right. we, we, you know, like I remember Nikon came out with this camera that was like, can shoot at ISO 2 million or something. Oh. And it's like it's like what the what are you photographing? Like are you photographing an orca in a black hole? You know, like <laughs> like 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 I right. don't understand what what you what you need ISO two million for. And then I had to look at the images and the sample images, and it looks like a piece of shit at that level because it just um, looks like a big purple mess of, co- of noise. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but photography is the action of capturing light. Is that yeah? Right? I, I, I'd I'd say that's that's exactly it. <laughs> so, so you want to shoot in the dark? Yeah, I know. By the way, I love. Did you say an orca in a black hole? <laughs> that should be a book title. You're giving Tyler ideas now. He's like yeah. he's on the phone. Yeah. He's like, I need an orca yeah. and a yeah, spaceship on that's capable hey, of. Uh, uh, you... <laughs> How oh easy God. would it be to create a black hole? <laughs> you know it's funny i did a space series once and we did a thing um we did a thing where uh, we went out to the desert where all the stars were very bright and uh i had a guy in an astronaut a full a nasa astronaut suit doing backflips so it looked like he was floating uh and that was when we discovered how incredibly hard it is to jump on a trampoline in a spacesuit. wow mm. It yeah. was. Yeah, you found out the hard way. <laughs> I guess it'd be easy if you had a little crane or something. You had to drop totally. because you see, I'm guessing the hard bit is getting started. Exactly. <laughs> and and also staying upright. <laughs> we did we did a scene. So the suit, you know, it had the air machine. So we were doing a scene, and and the scene was that he was like, you know, doing a fake death scene, right? So we made it look right. like it was like Mars and you know, winds blowing and everything. And he's just kind of like doing this thing. And we're, we're like, what is he doing? Like, why is he on his knees? And then he starts like <laughs> pointing a bunch of times. And we're like, what is he pointing at? And we're like yelling at him, like, do the death scene. And he's like pointing. And then he's like trying to move his helmet. <laughs> and then he just like falls over. And then he's like <laughs> doing the helmet. And we're like, we're at the camera. We're really far away. And we're like, this is the worst death scene ever. And the air machine had stopped. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> He was actually air. dying. So he was like <laughs> trying to tell us to get the, the thing off. And he, I mean, he, he obviously got it off, but he didn't know how to undo it. It was it was sort of the best death scene ever. So, you yeah. were actually so, killing the guy. We ran we, over we, and he's like, I thought I was really going to die. Could you imagine? <laughs> obviously, I shouldn't I shouldn't be laughing. He's fine. He's fine. Li- listening. Um, I'm going to get, I'm going to get like, uh, astronaut people mad at me for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was, he laughs about it to this day. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> 
God, yeah, yes. it sounds like you, you. I mean, we could go on for hours, but you must have stories <laughs> like. Oh. I, I guess every every new project, like like this Oval Office thing, you must have had so many weird things oh, going along. The, with the Oval Office thing was hilarious because, and you know, I'll I'll send I'll show you guys the photo. Uh, I don't want to just I don't want to give away too much of what we did, but I'll yeah. say this: there were some people in it um, who had masks on, yeah, and um, they couldn't breathe like super well with these masks on, and then it was very hot. And so they're sweating profusely. And so the masks were sticking to their heads. Right. So then they couldn't get them off. Right. So we would have to put like <laughs> ice on them and everything. And mm. so we ended up basically duct taping makeup uh, brush, not uh, makeup pads to their foreheads so that the masks wouldn't stick to them. Jeez. And it's the Funny, we have it in the video when, like, as we did a little making of video. It's the funniest thing ever because they all these guys have suits on with the masks off and just duct tape to their forehead. <laughs> we it literally looks like something out of a cult. It is the most ridiculous, <laughs> absurd thing that I've ever seen. And you know, it's just there, there's just always like some weird thing that happens where it's like, yeah, we had to duct tape stuff to someone's head, or you know, we had to. Um, I, I remember one day we were, we were doing this shoot and, uh, we were doing it underwater and for some reason, the pool that we were doing in was like, I think the water was like 40 degrees or like, you know, it was very cold. Yeah. And I was doing the whole series in a dry suit. So I go in, I go down, and I, I taught myself how to hold my breath for like six minutes so that I could free dive the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, so I, yeah. So I go down, I'm, I'm on the bottom, and the first person jumps in, and I'm like ready to take the picture. And I just see them go like, ah, ah. They just start screaming underwater, shoot back up. No one could handle the water. It was like too too cold. Like it was like freezing cold. So... Right. It was like, then we had to put people in wetsuits and then put dresses on them. And then we had to redo the whole thing. So it's just like, you know, you always have to be ready to adapt, basically. Yeah. It's funny I, I, you mentioned that, um, the holding your breath thing. I was listening to an interview with David Blaine the other day and he was saying that it's like this, he was like to the, the host, he was like, I could get you in about 20 minutes after this interview, being able yes. to hold your breath for like five or six minutes. 100%. So it's just like a, a, like a simple tech, well, not simple, yeah. but like a technique thing, right? It, it's funny because um, to me, it's, it, it's exactly the thing. Like if I was sitting with you guys in a room, it would probably take 30 minutes unless you're like very, very heavy smokers. But it would probably take about 30 minutes and I could get you to four and a half, five minutes. Wow. Um, That's insane. Yeah. So like for me, the first time I, I tried, I would do about two and a half minutes. I watched this one video I saw like the best free diver in the world and I just watched how he breathed before he went down. And so I emulated that and I went from two and a half minutes to four and a half minutes. And then I practiced a little bit more and then I was like five and a half minutes within like a day. Wow. Um, and then the longest, I've, the longest I've ever done above water is eight minutes. Um, like at the height of it when I was like actually trying. Um, is it easier above water then? Yeah, it, it's easier above water. You know, I was never doing like time trials underwater. Whenever yeah. I was underwater, I was always shooting. 
So I'd always have like a camera or like I would switch cameras like while I was underwater. Um, so what I would do is I would go down with a digital camera and I would test it and then I would t- switch it to a film camera, like change all the settings, do the focusing, yeah. shoot it, then go back to the, di- it was a ridiculous setup. But um, so I was burning a lot more oxygen and I was burning a lot more energy because I was doing more stuff. Yeah, Whereas when active. I was... A- Right. When I was above water, I was literally just laying on a floor, you know, and all, all I was doing was just I just had a timer on. I didn't have to do anything. Um, mm. Yeah. So. I mean, I think you, you came up with this one picture of a, uh, it's a lady in a blue dress um, underwater with her mm. arm out and the dress floating up with all the yeah. kind of it's like orangey bubbles. Oh, everywhere. yes, 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 yes. Yep. That, 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 that's awesome. That shot. Oh, uh, thank you. I. I I thought, yeah, that's uh, worth holding, learning how to hold your breath, right? And going through all the pain, and, and, and the one before it in the series, uh, uh, the the lead image, I can't remember what it was. Oh yeah, it was the 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 one of the couple, mm, uh, yep. like kissing or or something. Uh, that, like very- that was the one where I was like under for six minutes or six and a half minutes when we did the kissing one. Yeah. And that's what that's why I guess you know it's, that's why it's fun to still make these things happen, isn't it? Uh, when, when when we had the uh, Jeff Cronenworth, the cinematographer for Fight Club, on the show, we were talking about you know so much VFX in in film now, and what's the argument to not use it when it can look potentially as good? But <clears throat> these stories do actually add something to the photo. They make it. Yep. They do make it what it is. Absolutely. I I mean to me. You know, like t- to tonight, I showed an actress friend of mine Apocalypse Now, mm. and she'd never seen it before. And uh, we're watching the movie, and she's like, she leans over to me and she goes, "I don't get it. Like, what's all the hype about this movie?" And I'm like, I look at her and I go, "What are you talking about?" And she goes, "Well, I mean, you know, it's just like, what's the hype?" Yeah, and I go, "Oh, oh." Um, there's no CGI in this entire movie. And she goes, what? And I go, yeah. She goes, the helicopters are real? And I go, yes. <laughs> and she goes, they're really on those boats? And I go, yes. And she's like, no way. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's it's funny because, look, like, I'm sh- I don't know how you would do it. But I'm sure you could Photoshop or do some technique to create the effect of underwater. Right. But you will never get that same feel as like that, that one where the girl has her arm out and those kind of those light speckles are coming in. Yeah. Uh, It it, it would take longer to generate that, I imagine. Yes. And and to to 50%. I I mean, it doesn't even uh, bear thinking about actually. Like for, for me, it's. I'm seeing these things coming up like like this. There's an app now that uh, that you can. Oh, it's my doorbell going. There's this app Uh-oh. going which uh, it it's like tell it's it's like auto composition, and you just put your phone around, and then it tells you when there's a good photo oh. nearby, and then and, oh. and then and, and then it, and then it automatically <laughs> takes it. Okay, hang on. I'm just gonna need to answer this. One sec. Sorry. If it's interesting, <laughs> take us with you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, the uh, I, I completely agree with you. I think that there's something about doing things for real that you just cannot ever duplicate. 
with CGI, yeah. with anything, you know. And, and I mean, Fight Club was, I use that as an example. I mean, that was one of the most creative movies of our generation. Mm. And it, it, you know, like, I remember I watched it behind the scenes when they did the thing with Edward Norton where, you know, like his face gets like blown out or whatever. And they were actually shooting real air into his mouth. And his yeah. when his, when his mouth opens, it's actually opening. Yeah, there were a lot of films around that time, like the kind of the Matrix, Fight Club era, where they were super inventive. Um, right. Yeah, it was a, such a cool time in movies. Well, actually, you know what? Speaking of movies, I read I read that you've got a script that made uh, the blacklist that's been yes. kind of knocking around Hollywood for a while. I wondered. Uh, yeah. What kind of just interested to know what it's what it's about when you wrote it. So I wrote that in uh, 2014 um, and then, you know, it, it ended up on the blacklist, which is like, you know, uh, amazing. Um, and uh, it's it's one of those things where I have a very clear vision of how I want to do it. Um, you know, we're, we're going to shoot the whole movie on film and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And, and in that time when we kind of started shopping it, people were like, mm. no, nah, just shoot it on a red camera. Film's dead. Who cares? You know, blah, blah, blah. Like it was just a different time. Netflix wasn't doing what they're doing now and et cetera, et cetera. So I've just kind of started coming back around to that now. Um, obviously no movies are getting made this year, mm. but um, mm. it's, it is, it's wild. Like the response to the script is incredible. Yeah, I've always, I've always wondered and been interested to know whether that blacks the blacklist it does have the effect of making people go, oh shit, we should probably put this into production, or whether they can still kick around. So, a hundred percent, the blacklist actually has like a lot of power. Like it's, I mean, yeah. it's shock, shockingly, it had it does have a lot of power. Like even like I have other scripts that I've written now, and just the fact that I was on the blacklist, you know, it's like, oh yeah, like it. it it kind of verifies you as a writer, you know, because unless you have like a hit movie, uh, you know, nothing you've written does anybody care about. Mm. Right. Like, you know, it's not like taking pictures like we can go out and take pictures and it's either good or it's not. And you don't need anybody to do it. You know, when you write a script, you can write the script yourself. But getting someone to yeah. believe that it's good is different. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, you can't you can't completely own the keys oh. to production, unfortunately. Oh, hang on, <laughs> go, Alan. I don't know what the hell's happening. Some like three people just opened my front door and are standing there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know happened. them? I don't know who they are. They're all wearing masks. Awesome. Okay, this, this is turning into a last... murder podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Avenge my death, if, if Alan. I will avenge you, but leave me the like on your will. Yes, deal. <laughs> okay, good. Let it let it be on the record. <laughs> um, are they oh, now? They're ringing the doorbell. Now they're ringing the doorbell. Yeah. I hope what? you guys leave some of this in. This is amazing. So <laughs> yeah, you should. I'm, We're I'm real gonna, pros I'm gonna, here. I'm going to narrate it right now. So I'm currently in Los Angeles. It's currently uh, 2.40 <laughs> in the morning. Alan has three people at his door with masks on. They're potentially trying to rob or kill him. And we'll we're hopeful that nothing happens. I am also thinking that they may just be trying to take a piece of his hair. <laughs> it's the guy. Right. I, I, I'm going to have to go talk to them. 
Um, well, we can we can we can wrap up here, I yeah. guess. Anyway, if, if you're already done, I did want to develop a a podcast where it's like a true crime type thing, like a serial type thing. But you slowly realise that the people that are after them are coming to the studio, and that it ends with the them <laughs> breaching the studio and just butchering the podcast host. So maybe we'll see that happen in real time here. <laughs> let's let's hope that this doesn't ha- happen, Alan. <laughs> Uh, you're an amazing photographer. If this is your last moment alive, we will miss you. I'm glad I spent it with you too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for today, Tyler. It was great speaking to you. Thanks so much for your yeah, time. Yeah, great, great chatting, Tyler. Thank you so much. Chris, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Let me know if you need anything. Yes. All right. Cheers, man. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Have a good. Have a good night. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> the rest of your night. <laughs> Happy barbecuing.